1: Welcome to Crisis Management, the podcast edition. I'm Alicia Sikarska. If you listen to this show regularly, you know we've talked a lot about the labor shortages in the economy. Many industries are struggling to find workers. There are growing concerns about finding and keeping employees, and questions about the effect on things like wages. On our live stream video program, Sean Spear from the Public Policy Forum and I talked about the potential effects of the labor shortage and what that means for workers. Here's what Sean had to say.
0: Well, it's a great question. I mean, maybe just to step back for one second. You know, the labor market of the past thirty years or forty years has been, you know, one um, in which there's been a lot of labor. You know, the 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 baby boom uh, contributed to just a ton of supply in the labor market. And so most of the past 30 or 40 years, public policy has been primarily focused on unemployment issues. Um, that's how we've come to sort of think about um, the labor market and and the role of government in the labor market. But um, as we experience this uh, process of demographic aging, you know, the focus of labor market policy is going to have to shift from a a a prioritization of unemployment issues to this challenge that you describe of of labor market shortages across different sectors and and different regions and and different parts of the economy. And I'm not sure we've kind of got our collective heads around this new reality. You know, every time that we seem to be focusing the policy discussion around this kind of long-term secular trend, something emerges that restores unemployment as a matter of concern. Think of the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, or of course, the the, the experience of the pandemic. But the truth is these temporary transitory experiences of the financial crisis and and the pandemic don't change the underlying, underlying reality. For the foreseeable future, the primary labor market, and I think I'd argue economic issue facing our country, is the fact that we have too few workers, and we're going to have to do a number of things to deal with that challenge. And I'll just stop. I'll just end here, Alicia. That should create conditions that is that are good for workers. That mm-hmm. in, you know, in a labor market with too many workers, um, we saw a kind of downward pressure on wages. In a an economy in which there are too few workers, um, that should be a positive for uh, wages and and salaries in our economy. Um, it's going to have to be all hands on deck um, if we're going to kind of optimize economic growth in this new kind of constrained world.
1: And you have to think it will also be positive, particularly for young workers, people that are just about to enter the labor force. This could be positive for them. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yes, I think so. And, and let me just say, Alicia, um, you know, a, a much needed boost um, to this cohort. Young Young mm-hmm. Canadians have... Who've come out of school in the face of the global financial crisis, or come out of school in the case of the pandemic, if you know? I can understand if why they feel like the cards are stacked against them, and that doesn't even get into issues around student debt, housing affordability, childcare issues, and so on. But the prospect of an economy where the kind of balance of power is tilted slightly more in the direction of workers than it has been for decades is something that will not only benefit workers generally, but as you say, I think have a particular benefit for those who are coming out of school um, and searching in an economy um, where they'll find, where they ought to find, in most cases, uh, tremendous demand.
1: As Sean mentioned on the show, having too few workers may actually be the biggest economic issue facing our country and it means public policy will need a brand new approach to deal with it. After the show, we dug a little deeper to look at how policymakers and employers should tackle the challenge and how this may be a new era for workers.
0: And maybe just to start with the obvious, you know, the source of the labor shortages that we're witnessing in certain industries, certain parts of the country, certain occupations is sort of is sort of self-evident. It's a consequence of an aging population where we have more workers leaving the labor force than we do joining it and the truth alicia um, as we talked about on the live stream you know this has been uh, a reality for our labor market uh, for some time um at, at different points like the financial crisis or the current pandemic that reality has been masked um where on a on a temporary transitory basis we've had more workers than jobs. Um, But as those transitory periods sort of wind down, uh, the the reality of labor market shortages is is re-exposed. And I think that's what we're already kind of seeing seeing and hearing um, as we move beyond the worst of the pandemic and we start to see our economy reopening. Um, We're being kind of hit in the face, so to speak, with this longstanding uh, reality of labor shortages, which is going to be a real break on economic growth. You know, the, the federal budget observed that the economy is going to grow by something like 2% or even less year over year for the foreseeable future. And a big part of that is the fact that we're not seeing growth um, in our labor market. We're seeing, you know, we're, we're seeing these types of shortages that um, business leaders and, and others are raising. So this is really kind of fundamental, Alicia, uh, for our economy and society if we can't make better use of the workers uh, within our country to uh, fill these needed occupations across the economy, it's going to mean um, that we're poorer for it. So, you know, one thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago is the idea that so much of um, these temporary blips and unemployment can cause us to sort of take our eye off the ball of this longer term fundamental challenge of of labor shortages. And, and I think it's almost as if we kind of forgot about it during the pandemic, um, but the renewed interest is is going to be a, a big part of public policy and and investment and in business um, discussions for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, it feels like the pandemic is exacerbating this existing issue and just highlighting it even more. And perhaps, I mean, do you see it as having a kind of different effect now uh, because the pandemic was so unique and and. Had such an outsized impact on things like the service industry and uh, like the women in the workforce. Do you see the challenges becoming shifting a little bit when it comes to labor force participation?
0: Yeah, I think on the, on 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 the margins for sure. You know, I teach a bit at the University of Toronto, and I had students this year who were previously in different service based industries who took advantage of the pandemic and some of the relief programs to go back and get more education, you know, in effect, to invest in their human capital. And ostensibly, the goal is, um, as the economy reopens, to enter new and different industries or occupations, not the ones that they were in um, prior to the pandemic. So that's just one way in which I think the pandemic may exacerbate shortages in particular sectors or particular occupations. You know, another big one, of course, is that we've seen in much lower levels of immigration over the past 15 months than we had previously, and certainly than than was than was planned prior to the pandemic. So I could go on, but there's a kind of series of ways in which I think the the pandemic may exacerbate and certainly kind of highlight these longer term trends of labor shortages um, in our economy and. And, and hopefully, you know, on one hand, draw attention to them for policymakers um, so that we can kind of reorient our policy conversation. On the other hand, and this is something we talked a bit about on the live stream, hopefully this represents a boost to Canadian workers, um, you know, just at a kind of conceptual level. If you're in a market in which there's more demand than supply, um, that should be good news for workers in, in the form of... Um, in the form of higher salaries, more benefits, potentially more kind of workplace flexibility as different employers are kind of vying um, to scoop up the the labor that's available. So, you know, I I think we're we're kind of entering um, an economy in which the kind of balance of power is tilted more in the direction of workers than it has been for a long time. And, you know, I think that's, that's going to be a good thing for a lot of low income and, and middle income um, Canadians.
1: Yeah. If you're, uh, before we get to kind of what this means all for workers, if you're a business owner uh, and you're, you know, facing the prospect of having a hard time hiring, what, what should you be thinking about It is do you have to kind of make the decisions now to offer more flexibility or higher salaries, as you mentioned uh, should you be taking that into account right now?
0: Yeah, so I'd say a couple of things. First of all, yes, the short answer is, um, you know, direct kind of financial incentives may be part of it. Two, I think um, more intangible things, Alicia, like loyalty, um, you know, kind of uh, support, the types of things that, you know, in a uh, labor market in which there was more supply than demand, may have been less of a priority. Going forward, those things are going to matter a lot more. Which employers stood by their workers in the context of the pandemic? Which ones um, you know, enable flexibility for parents and these sorts of things? I think they're going to be kind of tremendous value um, for those types of more kind of intangible benefits. And for those employers that have been doing those things for a long time, I think they'll be rewarded. And for those who haven't, um, they're going to discover that there's kind of that there's much less loyalty on the side of emplo- on, on the side of employees, and then just the last thing is, you know, I think we'll see in, um, a kind of renewed investment um, in labor replacing technology. So, you know, as labor becomes more scarce and more costly, you know, it's intuitive that firms will start to invest in different forms of automation, um, in effect replacing labor with capital. Um, you know, I think that um, that will um, inevitably be be part of the kind of ongoing labor market story in Canada.
1: So is this next period then going to be kind of a great one for workers? Uh, Do you see this as being kind of a new time for employees?
0: I think broadly speaking, the answer is yes. You know, I don't want to be Pollyannish. Um, There's still going to be Dislocation and disruption in some occupations, as you know, those occupations are subject to automation and technology. You know, there's going to be, um, you know, ongoing um, issues with respect to uh, global supply chains and some um, sectors or occupations shifting um, in activities and employment to um, other parts of the world. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that um, that there won't be. Uh, concentrated challenges for certain uh, workers and occupations. But I think on balance, um, the conditions of ongoing labor market shortages um, are kind of preferable for the interests of workers um, than the kind of conditions that we've had really since like the 1960s and 70s, um, where as the baby boomers um, entered the labor market, um, we had a situation where um, there was more um, supply than demand. If I can just make a kind of concrete point about this, you know, what's amazing, Alicia, is that in the 1980s and ni- in early 1990s, it was not uncommon to have unemployment rates uh, exceeding 10%, even in kind of normal economic conditions. You know, we're now entering a world where we're going to have, you know, something approximating full employment, like where it won't be uncommon to have unemployment rates of like four, 5% on a sustained basis. You know, that really gives you a sense of how much kind of things have shifted um, and 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 the extent to which um, labor shortages are really the kind of defining issue when it comes to labor market policy of our time.
1: Now, before we wrap up, I do feel like I need to mention this in our conversation. As we talk about uh, labor shortages and the potential impact on things like wages, uh, I think we need to talk about the Inflation word because I think that is a concern too as everything gets more expensive if if this is you know if, if wages do uh, pick up too quickly if that becomes a concern I know some economists are keeping a close eye on this uh, what do you make of how the the impact uh, this could potentially have on the broader economy or if this is something that that might be a concern going forward
0: it's a good question and you know I'm always reluctant to speculate on these issues because they're they're so complicated and there's so much that goes into them. You know, we we've talked in the past Alicia about
1: And neither of us are economists <laughs> to be clear. Yeah, I
0: just I just play one on television. Um uh, <laughs> but you know, there there has been concerns of course in in recent weeks and months about the prospect of uh, short-term inflation given the kind of extraordinary monetary and fiscal policies that we've seen over the course of the pandemic and you know at, at a certain level those concerns seem intuitive to me. I think I'm less concerned over the long term of the upward pressure that um, labor shortages may place on wages. It seems to me higher wages will in turn kind of translate in more purchasing power um, an ability to consume more. And so, you know, it seems to me that there's a kind of degree of self-adjustment when it comes to inflation. But I think just more generally, um, you know, we've 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 seen in recent days, uh, Tiff Macklem, the the governor of the Bank of Canada, start to kind of articulate a plan to slowly withdraw from some of the extraordinary pol- uh, monetary policy that we've seen in the context of the pandemic. I think that's a good thing. You know, there's a whole host of reasons of which inflation is an important one. Why we 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 don't want um, the central bank kind of act, you know, taking. Um, extraordinary action and making it kind of ordinary. And so I was pleased to see uh, uh, Governor Macklem um, lay out a sort of path towards a more normal monetary policy. I think that will um, help to manage um, concerns about inflation in the short term.
1: Yeah, and we'll be able to see kind of what a normal economy, normal-ish economy functions um, without these kind of extraordinary steps that the government and the Bank of Canada have taken over the last several months as we deal with the pandemic. Uh, Well, Sean, another fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for for doing this.
0: Uh, It's great as always. Thanks, Alicia.
1: That's all for today. You can find the latest video episodes of Crisis Management on the Yahoo Finance Canada website. If you'd like to hear more of the exclusive content in this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.